0: Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings.
1: Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 95. Today we spoke to Lee Ewan, breathworker, cold immersion expert and life biohacker. We opened the dialogue about why an Aussie would move to Finland and how Lee guides and teaches people to breathe, use a sauna and embrace the cold. When life gives you waves, you just gotta ride them. Lee opens up about 2020 and what it's been like and what he's managed to do. He educates us on the 478 breathwork routine for stress and anxiety relief. And we discuss nasal breathing, and it's massive benefits for countless reasons for it's an ancient filtration system so important now during covid times cold shower challenges try the 21 day challenge we embrace the cold here in words and speak about lee's work with wim hoff and his world renowned method thanks for joining us lee lee ewan
2: thanks for joining us how are you today? I'm um, well, thanks. Pleasure to be here.
3: Where is here for all the listeners, Lee? Ah, here is in a, a city called Espo, which is the Finland's second largest city, uh, just outside Helsinki. And you can probably detect from my voice that I'm not an, a local, you could say. I've been living here. I'm an Aussie that's been living here in Finland for about almost 12 years by now. So it is possible you can survive. It is possible for an Aussie to survive up here for twelve years. And, and what took you to Finland from Australia?
1: What what made that decision easy for you?
3: Oh, the weather. No, no, no. That can't happen. <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> no, it was it was love. It was love. It was a it was a Finnish lass, you know. She's blonde one of these blonde Finnish women that were out there in the world and uh, we're not together anymore but that was the way I got here that was my mode of transportation now and then I became a kind of love refugee shortly after that
1: <laughs> very good and look the it's an interesting time of season we touched on it off air so if you could just I suppose shed light to the listeners as to what's the landscape looking like out, outside your window there for you these days yeah, so
3: Finlands Finland's a beautiful country because you get to experience all of the seasons um, and the current season of course is this autumn or fall depending on where, where which part of the world you are in. and uh, we have this beautiful period of time now where the it's the changing of the seasons and it's called Ruska. it's the the word that we use to describe the coloration of the leaves and the, all the leaves coming down on the ground so, it's just a really beautiful time and good news is that the water is getting colder as well so about 11 I, I was just in the sea yesterday it's about 11.5 degrees in the sea already so it's starting to cool down a little bit good good dose of cold exposure there and let's dive into what do you do in finland
2: and what's your day to day, lee
3: well i actually work at the at the finland's largest university here so i kind of uh, what would you say I, I run a, a community of uh, different startup companies or mostly tech startup companies many of them are in the health uh, field and i'm I'm the sort of guy that kind of creates the atmosphere and help them get what they need you know because there's a there's a bit of a culture cultural difference between an Aussie and Finn you know the average finn so I'm kind of working with those guys but then also I have my own company and I'm you know and and my own brand as well and that all centers around breathing, um, helping people with breathing issues and disorders, but then also uh, different breathing experiences, um, trauma trauma release experiences, um, different retreats, uh, breathing for sports and performance, but then also guiding people to the cold and explaining about the sauna. All this stuff probably sounds uh, mental to you guys, and Aussie moving all the way up to... Uh, finland and then uh why would you do it <laughs> <laughs> well well think about this yeah i have to explain to my mom one day uh mom i'm guiding finnish people to the cold and teaching them about sauna 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 um but then also for everybody else i'm guiding or teaching them how to breathe so she thinks i've lost lost the plot a bit i think <laughs> yeah yeah like that's quite an interesting story I just read
1: a story you had up on a social recently when you said you know when life gives you waves, you just got to ride them and i mean we've've we've had a pretty turbulent i suppose number of waves hit everyone over the last six to seven months what's it
3: been like for you oh it's been it's been interesting I mean obviously uh, the last thing anybody really wants to do is get in a room and breathe together uh, during these times <laughs> <laughs> been kind of uh quite detrimental for the in-person experiences um but so like like in if you want to talk about professional my professional life it's been like everybody else it's been quite um a, quite a set of state uh, changes of course but as a country i mean finland's relatively uh open um it's a kind of a socialist hybrid kind of country so we haven't had the same level of um if you want to call it lockdowns or sort of restrictions, things like that. So we've been pretty much open the whole time, bar one or two months at the early stages of this coronavirus situation. So yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a, I'm, I'm a sort of social person. So it's been, it has been, it's presented me those kind of issues or challenges where I just want to be around people and people are like, I'm a, touchy-feely kind of guy in in you know in the right kind of way of course um with with consent obviously um so just you know hugging people and even just a handshake and and getting a lot of those uh, behavioral and body you know the body language cues if someone's wearing a mask or a fa- you know face covering things like that it's it's not easy to get the same kind of cues from people so it can feel a little bit uh like we're all in a little bit of seclusion, even if the country is relatively sort of open, you know, open for business. Definitely.
2: And sometimes it's nice to flip the the coin and, and see or ask the question of what's been the most beneficial or positive thing you've learned over the last while?
3: Well, it is about those moments. It is about truly, um, you know, not taking certain things for granted, I think. I mean, the having that proximity with people. I mean, Having, having said all these things just prior I mean I, I did do one event where we had quite a large amount of people breathing in an old old shed in the middle of the forest and and the amount of energy that we had there and the, there was quite a lot of emotion there as well because people were just longing to be um, you know to connect with other people that was that, that was kind of like uh like a, one of the highlights of my summer was being able to be at this kind of like well it was called a, it's called natural high healing festival so it's a little bit you might in the old days say it's a kind of a hippie festival uh in a way uh very organic and and you know grounded kind of festival but it, just having these amazing people around and we we do these exercise where we hug with people and you know with permission of course if there was people that felt like it wasn't comfortable we you know of course we respect that but when you go through these really, these traumatic trauma release uh, breathing methods and things, um, you know, people just want to be held and supported. So it was just, it was, I had tears in my eyes like everyone else, you know, it was very, very um, intense, but in a good way, you know, it was kind of, we were all longing for that. Thanks for sharing that Lee. We were just browsing on your website there a couple of days
1: ago and loved the, the breathing PDF that you have when you give in your email, you know, you have that quote from Eckhart Tolle that, one conscious breath in and out is, is a meditation. And you had that nice piece about the the four, seven, eight breathing. It's not something, it's not something I for one have come across a lot. Would you mind sharing the principles behind that with the listeners as to maybe where that could help with people that might be suffering stress, anxiety, overwhelm at these sort of times? Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah,
3: it's a, it's. I love it. I love that four, seven, eight uh, breath work because it's just quite simple. Um, I mean, traditionally, if we look at yogic breathing, a lot of people are kind of familiar with yogic breathing, which is basically one part, like one part inhale to two second exhale, two parts exhale. So it's one two ratio. So when we talk about four, seven, eight, it's still like four is being doubled by eight at the end, like inhale four seconds and exhale eight seconds. But we add that seven seconds sort of like little pause or I I prefer not to say hold or breath hold, but it's kind of like a little pause between the inhale and exhale because that just allows for the CO2 to build up inside of the body, inside of the bloodstream gently and as we know, the CO two is actually the trigger to release oxygen inside of our, you know, from the blood. So, having this kind of careful, paused, uh, controlled, um, you know, breath four, seven, eight, it allows the CO two to release the oxygen really, really gently, and it's a really relaxing way of breathing too. It's something that I recommend most people do just before they go to sleep. For example, it kind of release um, calms the nervous system just before getting a good night's rest. And I've read a couple of articles recently on on the
1: importance of kind of training your your kind of tolerance to CO two and kind of not being um, I suppose, freaked out when it when that that sensation builds up. This would be a very good way to help build up the resilience in that sort of space, would it?
3: Yeah, if, especially for beginners, it's it's kind of something that um, a lot of people struggle with, you know, because the first thing you what, well, if you're in a stressful state or you're you know you're if you turn on the news, for example, it's it's enough nowadays to get people in this kind of uh, you know sort of uh, sympathetic state. Um, the first thing that usually is disrupted is the breathing, right? And um, you'll find that people are starting to breathe shallow and up in the upper chest area. And if you're just breathing through your nose you know inhaling for four seconds having having that little pause in between and then lengthening the exhale doesn't even have to be eight seconds it can be just as long as as long as you can you'll find that you'll your heart rate will just decrease i always i actually really love breath holding i mean i'm a freediver too by the way like i'm a trained freediver i dive under the ice um so when you talk like the four, seven, eight uh, is a really nice entry point to sort of like these pausing pauses and breath holding. But when we start talking about performance, uh, I mean, you need to be able to hold your breath for two, three, at least two or three minutes to be able to go under the ice, for example. And, uh, when you just basically one breath and then you go down, uh, 20 meters, for example, like what I do. So, yeah, I mean that's a really, really underrated thing is the CO two tolerance um, because that is often the difference between sort of finishing first or second in, in some of the races. You know, it's not you know, you can train as much as you like, but the how your body or how you tra- train or teach your body how to handle CO two is kind of the difference uh, between first and second.
2: Excellent. I wanted to jump uh, just on a point you made about nasal breathing. We had Patrick Kion on before, and he spoke about the importance of nasal breathing and how there's a lot of mouth breathers, and we grow up the way we learn, the way we experience life is through that. We don't get very much education on it. Yes. Could you just share a little bit of um, detail on the importance of nasal breathing, or
3: what's your your take on the research and expertise you bring to it? Yeah, look, I'm, you know, Pat, I, I've I've trained with him. I mean, he's he's one of the modern day sort of pioneers in this. Um, in this field for sure i mean it's so important and like we're all born a child is born breathing through its nose right and then something i mean the one of the worst nights' sleep you'll ever had is where the the your baby's not being able you know it's got a stuffy nose or something like that because it won't be able to breathe properly but then something happens along the way where we just sort of like environmental factors or maybe the child is starting to uh, rep you know Copy or replicate what the parents are doing uh, with the mouth open and things like that, and it just sort of fades away. And in fact, there's even TV shows that like this. I don't know if you guys have seen the Stranger Things show. It's like a Netflix show. It's a bit of a retro kind of show. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's a sort of running gag inside of there where the kids are like saying to it, saying to some of these other kids. Um, you know, you're a damn mouth breather, and it's kind of like an insult. You know, it means that the it means that they're, they're quite uh, you know challenged mentally. And in fact, there are studies that show that um, in children, that um, mouth breathing children have a lower IQ than n- nasal breathing children. And also, there's like these fundamental basics of like the structure of the child's face um, and and how the airways are sort of built around the positioning of the tongue as well. So, if you, for example, right now, if you were if you were to get the tip of your tongue, and just gently place that between, behind your two front teeth, and then you roll that back up on the, the hard palate of your mouth to the soft palate at the back, and then right towards the back of your throat, you can kind of see how much space there is. Don't don't go all the way back. To, don't swallow the tongue. Anything. Go go gently. Go gently. But you can see how much space there is there, right? And then when you actually grab your fingers and kind of uh, you can kind of touch around your cheek, cheek areas there, we know that the nose is quite, it's, you know, it's a fair size there. I mean, what I'm getting at here is that there's a lot of real estate here. Um, there's, a, there's what Nature doesn't waste any space, you know, so there's a reason why we have all these channels of air. We have the paranasal sinus. Uh, it's all there. It's all this intricate uh, system. And you know, it's one of those things that you, truly, if you don't use it, you, you kind of lose it. You know, people, people, um, the sort of like the na- the nostrils can actually kind of—I don't want to say collapse—but they get smaller if you don't if you don't use them. Also, uh, you know, we mentioned you know the the situation, the COVID nineteen situation. I mean, in terms of hygiene, breathing through your nose is like—I mean—it's never been more important to to use this kind of like ancient filtration system that's evolved over time. You know, you have the, the hairs in, in the front of your nose that kind of um, prevent larger particles from entering the, the nostrils. Then also you have the mucous membrane that's there uh, on the inside of the walls. You also have those little cilia um, that are this kind of like little hair hair things that are sort of uh, attracting or trapping a lot of the bacteria that enters the, the nose. And, I mean, they're, they're kind of like taking away the all of those bacterias. They're kind of taking that towards the back of the throat and dumping it down. You know, you swallow that and it dumps it into a pool of acid in your stomach essentially. So it's a very intricate system. And then I'm sure people like Patrick for sure uh, talks about um, nitric oxide as well, which is like, I mean, it's an amazing, amazing molecule that is really, it has um, antiseptic, um, antifungal, um, Features as well, so not to mention that it actually uh, dilates the bronchi and bronchioli which are your kind of branchy things inside of your lungs, and helps you breathe easier. So, all of these things, I mean, it's it's so important for people to get jump on this nasal breathing. You know, for for many years we've been looking at the yogis and the yoga instructors and saying, well, that feels nice, but why aren't we doing that for the other twenty three hours of the day? That was a really nice educational piece, Darley. I appreciate
1: it. Uh, another thing that you do that um, I suppose we could say you specialize in, and you probably do more of it in Finland than you, than you would if you're in Bondi Beach or somewhere like that, <laughs> um, would be kind of cold immersion. And uh, it's something that, again, a lot of us would have read and heard stories about morning routines and what you know people like Aubrey Marcus or or, or Mr. Robbins would do in the, in the morning to get themselves primed and, and to build up that resilience. What's your kind of take on the importance of of the cold and kind of how people that might be a little bit afraid of it or reluctant to do it could bring it in into their days oh look i love the cold
3: um i know that's it's look it was a love hate relationship with it when you when you're an aussie that like you said bondi beach well almost i was born in manly in so which is just down the road from uh, bondi and and i've got to say manly is the best beach in in sydney but (laughs) i'm a bit biased obviously but there, is, there was this kind of uh, situation where coming to Finland, you don't, um, you know, I lived, I tried to live like a bear. I tried to live like in this kind of hibernation for the first two winters and I didn't want to go out in the cold. I was wondering like when that white stuff is going to go away, that snow, That when's it going to go? And to be honest with you, it's it's it gets really cold and I just didn't want to live my life looking out the window waiting for something else to happen, you know? So I I tried to find ways where I could go out and enjoy the cold, and I tried the I tried sort of like the the what do you call it cross country skiing, and that wasn't really my thing, but um, I really love the sauna, and we have like I'm literally living in a country which has 182,000 lakes, and and of course the coastline you know of the Baltic Sea um, on the southern and western parts. So there's so much water here, and it was just sort of a natural. It was a bit of a joke that some of my colleagues wanted me to go in the water and all that sort of stuff, and they want to see the Aussie struggle in there. And yeah, I did struggle the first few times, but I actually really learned to to love it. And I, a lot of people say how long do you stay in and all that sort of stuff, but I, I always tell them that I, I always stay in as long as it takes. And, um, the water is sort of like the cold is the cold every single day. It's the same, more or less the same temperature, you know, like it, it, doesn't, it's not like one day it's 20 degrees. The next day it's like minus one. It's, it's kind of constant throughout the season. And the only difference is actually yourself. You are the, you are the sort of variable. And each day it was like looking at a, at a mirror, you know, You're like looking at yourself, like how, how will you react to it? Cause it's, it's just the same every single day. So whether you've had a, a different sleep or if you've had, a, you know, something going on in your life, it was always sort of the great equalizer to go into the cold. And, the, you know, you also mentioned what's the, what's the best way for someone to sort of experience the cold uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, we're all pretty much all of us are taking showers or I hope we are. So you can actually start by just taking a cold shower that's the best way and and if I don't know if you guys have ever tried it before but just having a, even finishing cold for 30 seconds or a minute of, on the sort of back end of your shower it gives you this amazing energy you know it gives you this really like it really wakes you up and um, it, it kind of brings you out of that sort of warm sort of slumber feeling that you can get for example on a Monday so that's the that's without doubt the easiest way someone can experience the cold and um, even if you're living in Arizona or one of these kind of, or in Australia and the water's not that cold, it's a little, it's quite relative, you know, like, um, th- if you put the, put the shower on cold anywhere and you're used to the warm climate, it'll still feel pretty cold and it'll still give you that nice effect too. Yeah. It's definitely something
2: that I've tried. David, I think has tried it as well. One thing I would say is hard. So it's, you know, you're in your comfort, you're getting into your bed, you're into your shower. It does wake you up a little bit, but then you're facing into even looking at the, the dial to turn it down to cold is hard to make that transition. Is there anything, you any advice you'd give to people like that may have tried it out once or twice that feel the benefit, feel the energy rush from it, but then
3: just can't get the motivation to keep it going in their day to day? Yeah, that's often the case, mate. It's just, it's, it is a bit like that. A lot of people say as well, because I actually do those cold shower challenges. Um, So we just came, like I think a a week ago, we just finished this uh, 21-day challenge where we we take people all the way through from sort of starting with 20 seconds and then going like slow progressions until the point where they can take a full shower cold. So we had actually quite many people that completed the whole challenge where, you know, five-minute shower at the end, totally cold. But there is a certain level of commitment that you need and it's, it's... same as anything mate it's the same as anything like whether it's make the bed in the morning whether it's sort of uh you know do the do the homework or do your assignment or do the social media for your company whatever it is it's just it's just a commitment to doing that you know and a lot of people that do this uh do the cold they often say that doing the cold shower is actually harder than going into like the the, having a sea dip or open water uh dip in, um, in one of the lakes because at least with that you can kind of jump in and do it with the shower it's sort of like people have kind of grown accustomed to that being sort of a comfort this having this warm embrace of the shower so I think it's just about um, it's a mindset thing it's a commitment thing and then the the body knows what to do after that you'd be surprised how all the reactions in inside of your body uh, they're very normal there's a reason why your fingers and your toes are cold cold right it's because the the you know the warm bloods being pulled around all your vital organs your body's literally telling you i've got this and and if your fingers and toes are cold when you're doing a cold exposure then congratulations you're a perfectly normal functioning human being it's just that our minds kind of trick us into saying that that's uncomfortable and and oh i don't like when the fingers go cold and the toes are cold you know so it's very much a mindset thing in my in my opinion and then of course there's this gradual sort of um resilience that you get um if you give yourself these like little you know like little progressions if you kind of up the ante just gently you don't what what, what you don't want to do is go for example a one minute dip in the in the sea in the winter time and then the next day go fifth, try and do force yourself to do 15 minutes that's not that's not at all advisable that's that's like not that's not like a relaxing thing for me it ends up being a relaxing calming meditational thing well i think for for our community
1: of listeners we're gonna you know there was an ice bucket challenge a couple of years ago we're gonna have to get everyone on a
3: 21 day cold shower challenge um yeah or at least or at least get a group of people down to the down to the sea you know like it's 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 just a really cool um sort of community thing you can do just one on the weekend in the maybe a sunday morning or a uh, you know, after after a, after a night of Guinness or something like that, you can still go and get that kind of fresh wake up down at the, the down at the sea. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lee, you've got, you've got a, a very interesting
1: week coming up. You had alluded to it off, off air with us, and you know, you, you kind of classify or distinguish distinguish yourself as as a biohacker. What What does that mean to people that mightn't be so au fait with the term?
3: Yeah, biohacking is like looking at, I guess you could say, life and especially the human body um, as a complex set of systems. And like any system, we want to try and have influence those to work more op- in an optimal fashion, or more um, have an influence on them. To you know, that's the, that's kind of like a, like a computer program. We want we want that you know we always get these uploads or updates on the software inside of our phones, and it's kind of like the same thing with uh, our own bodies so it can be biohacking kind of looks like breathing is a biohack Uh, taking protein after you've gone to the gym is kind of like you know biohacking because it's kind of um giving introducing something into your system that's allowing tissue to grow um cold exposure is definitely biohacking as well um coffee in the morning and adding if you've ever heard of the bulletproof coffee adding butter and um Uh, different fats inside of your coffee all of these things that are basically contributing to your optimized health are considered biohacks you know and that's the that's the good thing about this week i mean and even finland i would say there's this amazing community of biohackers here that are sort of it's all about sharing the information and um kind of you know collecting all this information about diets and nutrition um What's the mo- what's the best way to work out? What kind of, um, what, you know, what kind of protocols for a sauna, heat, cold therapy, like just a whole range of things, include, and also including some of the gizmos and gadgets, you know, tracking things, um, looking at data, looking at your sleep quality, uh, heart rate variability, VO two max, which is the amount of oxygen that you can use at any one given time, so just about everything could be considered a biohack if you <laughs> in a way it's like an umbrella terminology i su- i suppose
2: yeah brilliant and one of the most famous faces or recognizable people in breathwork and in that industry is wim hof you're an instructor with wim hof do you want to tell us a bit about your work there
3: yeah ex- yeah, it was a. It's just it's been great. I mean, I've, of course, I've met Wim uh, s- several times. I was doing the the Australian tour with him um, a couple of years ago and stayed on his couch next to his dog as well back in those days because I think we were the first international group of instructors that went through. So that was really the Wim Hof method was something. It was a good, a really nice piece of the puzzle to me because, uh, you know, I've been like doing the cold cold exposure myself here since like two thousand and nine, and it was nice it's nice to do that but i was kind of like a bit of a lone wolf doing that and you know i'm a bit of a sort of you know i have a bit of a competitive nature like a lot of people do and it's like where can i take this can i develop that what's what's the next progression for this and uh, i saw this guy this guy doing all these amazing things climbing up mountains in his shorts and uh, you know 20 26 guinness book of records many of them to do with the cold and i thought like you know what I I I could train with this guy and learn more about the cold and I liked a lot of the the connection that I I got from the experiences that I was having and then being able to connect them with the with the actual science and understand my own body like why things were happening you know I'm the Aussie guy going down to the Baltic Sea on my own and just trying to do it myself you know and probably making all the uh, well for sure making all the mistakes that I would never advise anyone to do some of the stuff I was doing because I just didn't really know how else to do it. And becoming an instructor really, really helped me understand the cold and what was happening, but then also the very much so the benefits and why I felt so good doing those things. And the real big surprise was the breath work, you know, because I've, I've I have done some sort of breath holding stuff uh, before, but the the breathing really opened my eyes up towards like what we call breath work and, and actually kind of controlling and and sort of manipulating the breath. Um, that was a really eye-opening moment for me. And that sort of, that was en- that ended up being sort of the opening up the the rabbit hole for my breath work journey, I, I guess you could say.
1: I just want to touch on something you mentioned there. That you, you said connection and connection to others. And, you know, earlier in the conversation, you said that the piece about the hugging and kind of that social and emotional link. That that's so important for us as human beings. It's something that's obviously radiating through this conversation that you know you feed off that as do we.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's go into a time when there's less of that, there's a lot less kind of connection. People talk about social distancing. Maybe it's it should be physical distancing, right? Even nuances of language is important. What what insights could you give to us and to everyone listening about how we can continue to Foster and nurture the connection, even at a time when it's increasingly difficult, and people are wary of of proximity.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah. That's the big that's the big uh, talking point, isn't it? I mean, like, how can we? Yeah, I mean, we're only we're already starting to see some of the some of the effects of that. You know, um, you know, you've got a clear division, or you know, in for lack of a better terminology, I mean, you you have people that. Maybe they're confident in their own health. They are also also kind of feel, you know, they they they're taking personal responsibility for their life. Um, and you know, then someone saying hey, you need to wear a mask to help everybody else, and all these kind of things are ongoing. And it and it does turn a bit nasty, you know. And you know, it doesn't help that there's like huge political things looming and all that sort of thing. But look, we are social animals. We are social beings and social animals. And it's going to come one way or another. That we want it. We need the proximity. We need to um, embrace others. We need to, um, you know, be held, um, and all those sort of things. I mean, a lot. A lot of like one really positive thing about this is that there are a lot of um, instructors, and uh, you can find all kinds of breathing. You can find yoga. You can find a lot of these kind of thing. These health and fitness related uh, content. You can find it online now, um, which is really good. Um, but then again, you don't. You really don't get that same. You don't get the same feeling out of it uh, in many ways as well. Like you, like you're mentioning. I like that. I really love the the point that you ma- mentioned as well about this social distancing rather than um, kind of like the physical distancing. There is a there is a, a, a real difference between those things. And Finland is a country where we people are kind of solitary by. Like it was almost like an ongoing joke here that, like, oh, they want people to social distance. So basically, business as usual here in Finland, you know, because people really, people, you get, there's like these funny memes where Finnish people are waiting at the bus stop and it's like exactly 1.5 meters between each person, like almost like <laughs> to, the, to the measurement, you know, like to the exact measurement. So, you know, in some way that the physical proximity has not, had too much of an effect of us here in Finland but now now you can kind of you get this sense that because of the mask and things like that it sort of symbolizes stay away or keep away and I alluded to it before as well with the, the sort of human behavioral cues that we get from other people you can't tell if somebody's you literally can't tell when somebody's wearing a mask whether they're happy or angry because of the shape of the eyes it could look exactly the same whether they had a angry face or a smiling face. So it, it really has, it has effects, you know, and, you know, I'll, okay, I'll give a small opinion about it too. I mean, I think that at some point or another, we're like every other virus and these kind of things we, we get, we are going to have to live with this. We are going to have to learn to live with this in one way or, or another. And we, we just can't deprive ourselves, and especially kids growing up, we can't, I I think it's really unhealthy to deprive such a natural action and a natural sort of like need for our our youngsters to sort of like grow up in a world where we can't hug or can't embrace and they're they're not able to interact with each other, you know. So one other thing I'll say as well is as a sort of, um, if you want to say facilitator, instructor, someone who guides groups, doing that online is like, it's a, it feels somehow less I don't want to say less rewarding, but it, it, there's not the same connection you get as a as a facilitator or a practitioner. You know, you can't you can't feed off the people's energy and their their sort of like their cues that they're giving you, and their sort of eyes light up when you mention certain things. So it's it's kind of not the same, you know. I'm just I'm really longing for the longing for the time where more people, because well, let's say more people are ready to uh, do the in person things again. I do have my courses and everything on, ongoing still, but uh, it has it has definitely uh, had an effect. A lot of people are a bit nervous and are hesitant to kind of jump into those sort of things at the moment. Yeah, and like just
1: to build on it, like not to not to be down, but it's it is it's so important that people do have the conversation. about well, where is this going? I mean, because we we don't handshake like we used to, and like I have a three year old, I drop him off to nursery every morning, and like everyone's wearing masks. And that's becoming kind of normal and then he's like, Why don't I wear a mask? Is it something wrong with me? And like he's not getting a hug from his teacher and mm. but that could affect him long term and we don't know how it could. And it's just it's such a big question as to I suppose when that finishing line is, so that especially for the for the younger for the younger generations that um we figure it out because, like, he doesn't know if anyone's smiling when he walks in through the door. You know.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we've we've kind of already. I mean, we've kind of gone through a, a, a certain a certain other version of that too, I guess, with the sort of iPad uh, computer generation as well. You know, we've got we've we've got like uh, youngsters and you know people that are in high school, kids that are in high school, and um, teenagers that have grown up. With uh, an iPad or some sort of device, um, electronic device, as sort of a, um, you know, if a, if one of the parents is in a rush, uh, they just kind of flip the iPad and say, hey, here's some credits for the Angry Birds or whatever game," and then the, the kids are kind of that keeps them amused for a little while. And a lot of these things, um, I think we are starting to see some of the different changes in effects. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these teenagers know how to use. All the social media, they know all the little tips and tricks. And someone, I'm still like, how do these kids know? I mean, they, they just pick things up so quickly. But the my my main concern with all these things is that, like, I th- I hope that a lot of these things aren't replacing um, those those you know the the kids go outside, they scratch their knee, they climb the trees, they they you know they you know get all the scratches and all that all that kind of stuff. Um, they have that connection with nature because we know for a fact that the brain um, is like it lights up it lights up in different ways when you're out in nature as opposed to when you're sitting at a, in an office cubicle or at a, in a classroom at school and in fact there's there's been a lot of uh, interesting uh, research and of course talks where a classroom is actually the they say that the cl- the only the main uh, prohibitive factor of a, a child learning is actually the classroom It's the environment of a classroom. It's the it's the giving them an exam where there's immense amount of pressure. It's all those kind of things where um, actually, if you took them outside and they did an exam in nature, the the brain would, you know, be better. It'd serve them better when they're outdoors. You know, so just so long as we the kids are getting outside, uh, even in the winter, especially in the winter.
2: (laughs) That's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. I'd like to just press on with a question that I have sort of banked in my head since the start when you mentioned the difference between finishing first and second. So it's more about breath work for athletes. We have a lot of athletes who listen to this podcast. Just if you pique their interest, where would be the best place for them to start looking in terms of how important breath
3: work is for athletic performance? I mean, Patrick that you had on, Patrick McKeown, he's he's like one of the He's one of the, I mean, oxygen advantage. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an instructor in this, in this method as well. That's really the, the sort of nuts and bolts, un, really understanding how the breath works inside of yourself. And again, it's a, a little bit of a biohacker's mentality to try and manipulate and adjust some of those things. Like you said, that, um, and we've been talking about the CO2 tolerance is, is a big thing. You know, one of the things that a lot of athletes kind of overlook is the resting aspect. Because every a lot of a lot of we all know, especially males, especially males, uh, we we have this tendency uh, to kind of force ourselves, uh, even if we feel a little bit, um, you know, the energy levels aren't right or the sleep wasn't right. It's like, yeah, well, it's all right. I'll feel better once I go to the gym, and you kind of slug it out, and uh, you you just got such a drain on your nervous system becomes shot pretty quickly. So I'm always saying that you should train hard but rest harder, and that's why. That's why it's really important to understand the effects of your breathing, you know, breathing through your nose and sort of like the water retention that you get from breathing through your nose and all these kind of things. Really to to do to go to sort of like down regulate. That's like a that's like a like a gold mine for a lot of these athletes. The first place you can see the difference with your breathing and your performance is by breathing and and whilst you're sleeping. Breathing through your nose, and yeah, you can tape, you can you can put a little bit of tape over the mouth. People are talking about that as well. But just to train, if you're sleeping six, seven, eight hours a night, I mean, what else? What? (laughs) There's not much else you can do in life where you can just literally train or or shift your behavior towards something whilst you're asleep, right? So this is what this is one of the biggest things when you when you're an athlete and you're trying to perform at high levels. Being able to rest and recover is just something that's and, – and not just jumping in the ice bath or going into the sauna, but I'm talking about actual breathing and down-regulating down your nervous system. I can mention something else as well. In freediving, it's all about the breath. It's all about the breath. It's it's all about finding the calmness. And think about this. I mean, you're, you're literally – I mean, some of the people I've been diving with, they're – the guy here, he's the, he's got an unofficial world record of 103 meters, uh, which is about two two minutes under water. Which isn't that in a way in freediving, it's not that impressive. But the water temperature was like just above zero, so we, he was literally cut out the ice, you know, cut the holes in the ice, and was under 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 the water in ice cold water for two minutes. The amount of CO2 that builds up in your body in that during that time is like it's it's immense so you have to have full mastery of the mind and understanding that the what this what's happening inside your body and then also being able to push your limits in a safe way too two aspects there's like the breathing whilst you're doing whilst you're doing the actual athletic endeavor but then there's also this rest and recovery thing that a lot of us really really overlook
1: yeah
3: yeah that's great we're, we're nearly be at the end of this, but there's we
1: have two more questions. One, I have a little bit of a philosophical question for you, a hypothetical one. Say you're you're going into your sauna, and uh, you just have to scoot over because there's somebody that's usually sitting where you would sit, and uh, and you look at him and you go, God, he looks like me. It's and it's a version of you twenty years younger. You just see him later this afternoon. What would you say to that younger version of yourself today?
3: Wow, that's a good one. Um... It probably would be don't care so much what everyone thinks, and actually don't don't think so much of yourself that actually everybody cares all the time what you think, <laughs> like this. But then also just pursue it, just keep going. You know, I'll, I'll give a backstory. When I was when I was in school in Australia, I mean, I was like a, a wannabe athlete. I was uh, at, a, at a performance college, which which had a lot of the Olympic athletes uh, went to school with us. So it was practically or virtually impossible to get athlete of the year at our school because they're all like gold medal winners and stuff. But I I kind of gave up on that dream because I don't know for a lot for a number of reasons, you know. And I honestly believe that you can if you really go for it. I'm, it's so a cliche thing, but if you really commit yourself to it. Whether it's the cold shower, like Kiron was saying, or whether it's like becoming a professional athlete or becoming the, you know, performer, whatever you want to be. If you just commit yourself, this life is not un- so unfair that you you won't make something of yourself, you know. I truly believe that. That's that. W- that's probably what I would say. And then um, the other thing I would say is, "Hi, oh, congratulations! You're 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 so young, and you've you're an Aussie gone butt naked in the sauna already." Because <laughs> that took me a while to get the hang of that one. Let me tell you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'd like to wrap up with the final question we normally ask on the show,
3: which is, "What does high performance mean to you, Lee?" Ah, good, good question again. High performance to me means it's just getting the most out of what you've got. We're all built in different um, shapes and sizes. You know, for example, when we're talking about breathing, people have different lung capacity, different uh, shapes of lungs. Some people have breath and breathing disorders and so on, but it's just about maximizing what you can get out of these amazing bodies, you know, and, that's pretty much the start and the end of it for me, because I think we—I try and be positive, but there are too many, there are so many people on this planet that never truly get to experience what these amazing bodies are, uh, are made out of and what they can do. That's that to me is quite sad, and that's that's what always drives me to uh, to help people and uh, facilitate these different sessions and you know take people under the ice and and the look on their face when they know that they've they've done it. You know, it's like, whoa! I never knew I could actually do that. It's it's just an amazing feeling, you know, to watch people experience that real time. So I just want that for everybody. I want people to know how amazing these bodies and and this life can be. And it starts with it starts with the getting away from the fear and not being sort of under the constraint of the mind a, a lot of the time. Here, here. Lee,
1: we'd like to say thanks very much for, for the education. I'd like to acknowledge you for everything you're doing, keep doing it at a time when it is difficult. You've got lots of interesting things and projects coming up, including this week. Everyone, check out Lee Ewan on, on social. Check out what's going on in his biohacking space. Like I said, really grateful for your time today. Speak to you soon.
3: Stay fit. Stay healthy, Lee. Thanks so much, guys. And keep getting that word out there to people. It's, it's great what you guys are doing. Thanks very much, Lee. Thank, Thank you. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person well-being company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at HoworaLife.com, spelled H-A-U-O-R-A-Life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan